What's up, Drop Pod listeners? You can check out new episodes of the Drop Podcast every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find all of our content on YouTube at the Drop Golf Podcast and on our socials. That's Instagram and Twitter at the Drop underscore pod. No matter how you consume us, like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff, follow and listen along. This episode is brought to you by All County Exteriors. All County Exteriors is a third generation, premier exterior home remodeling company celebrating over 40 years in business. In a remodeling world where the average remodeling company only survives in business for only five years, All County Exteriors has stood the test of time, providing their customers with top quality roofing, siding, windows, and doors. They service homeowners and builders with anything from small repairs to large additions. All County Exteriors is not just limited to construction. They have a deep passion for giving back to their community and are charitable supporters of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the American Caring Society, Roost for Troops, and Parents of Autistic Children. If you have planned to do any exterior modeling, call the experts at All County Exteriors for a free, no-obligation estimate for your project. Just call 732-370-2780 or email them at info at allcountyonline.com. That's 732-370-2780 for All County Exteriors for all your remodeling needs. This is the Drop Podcast where we talk golfing in the Garden State. I'm Mike Poro, and this is Ryan Kulak. What is going on, everyone? Hope you had another great week. Uh, Mike and I are coming at you with a unique episode. But before we do that, I want to tell you that today's guest is Chris Dijon. Chris was the 2021 MGA Mid-Am champion. The 2023 Walter Travis Invitational Champion, which was held at Garden City, sorry, the prestigious Garden City Golf Club out on Long Island. Uh, He was recently a member of the victorious MGA team in the Carry Cup, uh, which is the MGA taking on Golf Ireland, which is Ireland's uh, Amateur Golf Association. Chris was nice enough to host us at our Cola Country Club, so we sat down with him before our round, and then went out and teed it up. So, um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about our, you know recap our our trip to our Cola here, but make sure you stay tuned for our interview with Chris after. Uh, he's got some great stories about some international experiences that he had, and and uh, and his unique perspectives in his golfing journey. Mike, before we get to our time at our Cola. Uh, I just want to give a shout out real quick to Brian DeMarco, the head pro at Pine Barrens. Um, they run a an event there that is uh, it's basically a pro member guest. They're teams of three that go down. Uh, they they play Pine Barrens, and it's a it's a great event. I know all the pros like playing in it. Um, I, I've had friends who have played in it as well as as members and or as guests uh, and they raise money for the New Jersey Golf Foundation for it and that happened this past Friday um, from what I heard it was a very successful day um, we were trying to trying to get involved in it somehow and just weren't able to make it happen this year but um, I Brian DeMarco is a is a tremendous uh, person and I'm very thankful for him for working with us and trying to make it work and, and a big shout out to him and what they do down there. So uh, a big thank you to, to Brian and Pine Barrens for, for working with us, and hopefully we can make it work out next year. Now, Mike, let's get into our main topic, 
Arcola Country Club. I, uh, I think that it would be understated if I said that you were giddy to play this place. <laughs> I think that's a fair statement. Uh, we got up there, parked, beautiful view of the city, little, you know, it was a little foggy in the morning. Uh, so you could see like the skyline was split in two with like the, the fog that was still lifting. That's how early we got there, but you could see it out in the distance. We go into this super old colonial building. Uh, we go upstairs, we sit down with Chris for over an hour. Then we go out and play. What are your first thoughts of the day? Yeah. I mean, listen, when I got there, I got there early enough that I saw the sunrise over the city skyline from the parking lot, which was just like, wow. Yeah, like to your point, it was a little foggy, don't get me wrong, but you could still see the skyline in a distance. So that right off the bat was like, okay, this is going to be everything that people have said it has said it's going to be. Um, and then, you know, I guess let me backtrack even a little bit further. Like, yes, to your point, like hearing how many people have and what they had said to us about that place, it was a no-brainer for me to find us a way to get up there to experience that. And who better to sit down with than probably one of their top players there, if not probably the top player there. Um, I'm sure other guys could create a little bit of an argument there, you know, whether it's Trevor Randolph or others. But you know, being able to be there with Chris was just like an absolute grand slam to me. I mean, I, I don't know how you can put it any other way. And, you know, we have had so many people talk about our cola that everybody that we've not everybody that we've interviewed. I don't want to over exaggerate there, but but it's more than 70 percent of the people are like our cola is a prime spot to get to. It's so good there. I mean, it held part of the the USAM last year in 2022. It's it's been talked about. Maybe not by us a ton this year, but by people who we've talked to that know golf have talked a lot about it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think when you hear people talk about Arcola, the first thing that come out is, that comes out of their mouth is it's the fastest greens in the state. It's the fastest greens in the state. And, and I say this nicely to all the amazing spots that we've played, but there is nobody, nobody that comes close to the speed of greens the way that that place was. It's not even close. <laughs> no, it's not it's even not. close. <laughs> because if you're above the hole on certain holes, it's game, set, match. You will not win. Okay? You will not win. Mm-hmm. There's clearly a lot of strategy that is goes on at that golf course to knowing where to hit it, where to miss it, how to play it. Because... If you just hit it in the wrong spot by a few yards, either too long or right or left, you're seriously looking at a double bogey, if not worse. Mm -hmm. If not worse. And I was blown away with that because I think you hear people say, like, oh, greens are fast. And you're like, okay. And you kind of brush it off. Like, all right, yeah, like fast. Okay, they're 12 in the stamp. Like, I get it. But this place, forget about it. So uh, we've played on greens that are rolling at 12, and we know that those roll fast and pure, right? We've played on greens like that. That's not, I wouldn't call that like comical or illegally fast. Those are, those are running fast, but that's, 
still doable. These were, there's no chance these were under a 15. There's just no chance. They were, it was like putting on glass. It really, uh, people would be like, oh, the greens are fast there. No, no, no. The, your, your glass then is fuzzy compared to this glass because it was, it was comically fast. How light you hit a putt and it just kept, the, like you'd think like, okay, the ball's going to stop rolling. And then 15 feet later, it would stop it would finally come to a stop. You'd, it just continued to tumble and tumble. And that's and if tumble. it stayed on the green. Yeah, it, it was. It was. It was a real challenge. The, the yeah, putting serve, and not because it rolled true. You could, you'd see the break. You knew what was going to do. It wasn't. It wasn't like, um, it wasn't difficult in in that realm as far as like oh I, tough to read the greens or anything like that. It was. It was just. They were so damn fast. They were so fast, yeah. and I, I don't know how I don't know how pros do it. I really don't because that is, uh, I, I it was like, it was illegal. I would not want to play those greens all the time because that is while it's a fun challenge and and maybe guys like Chris, that's their level of game, right? That's what they need for a challenge. That was too challenging for me. That was that wasn't that was a I had a I had a blast that day. Don't want to take anything away. Uh, so much fun, but that that's not something I would want to be a part of every time I played golf there. You know, it was yeah, just I mean, so damn hard. It held it held true to exactly what everything said. that everybody said. Gre- yep, greens 100%. greens were so fast. The views were unreal. I think when we got up to what was at the fourth green on the fifth tee box, and you saw the whole skyline. Basically, from the front to the back, you saw everything in the distance. Like, like that view was was stupid nice. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no doubt I can see why, and even I think Chris brings it up in the interview, is about how they have or have one of the lowest indexes amongst all their membership in the whole country. Like, you can see the, like, when I say, like, some golf courses are country clubs that have other things, like, this place probably to some extent and maybe on a different level like Manasquan River, but it's just like the cream of the crop, North Jer- Northeast Jersey, like they are low indexes with a lot of plus, a lot of scratch golfers that this suits them. That, and and we do talk about that in the interview. This is, it, it 100% is. And I think he even said that it's, it's the lowest, if not one of the lowest in the country because it's, and and they keep the course that way. They know they have stud players. They know they need to be challenged, and they keep the course that way. And they're they're keeping the course in a we're gonna you need to rise your game. We're not gonna dumb it down for like the mass of our of our population because the mass of their population is is scratch. <laughs> That's just what it is. I, I mean, it was a uh, what did he call it? A a golfer's golf club. Like you, like you got to be a really good golfer to play there. They don't have anything else. It's a clubhouse, pro shop, golf course. There's no yeah, tennis or a beautiful shooting range driving or, range. Yeah, beautiful yeah, driving. It's it's beautiful in in all of those regards, but it's not it's not your typical country club where it has the swimming pool, tennis, pickleball, paddle t- paddle tennis, whatever else they they have there. It's just a golf club, and it's it is a golfer's golf club. Yeah, I mean, I I would say the only, and not only were the greens 
fast. They were also firm because I think you and I made a comment about that multiple times on the golf course about how hard mm -hmm. the greens were. But they were receptive to where if you hit a good shot in there, it wasn't like it catapulted off the green and went over. Um, it still bounced and checked and spun and did everything that like normal, hard, firm, and fast greens do. So that, to Chris's point, kind of validated what he was saying. Like, if you hit good shots, you're going to be rewarded. Right, if you, you need to step your game up to play there. And, and a guy like Chris who needs a challenge in order to continue to sharpen his game, you know, knowing that you got to flight something in low and have it spin, you must make it spin. Because if it doesn't spin, it's going to skip, 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 and off the green. But if you're able to spin it and you're able to hit the shot, the golf shot that's needed, the green is receptive enough to take it. While it's still, it's going to punish you for, for missing it, but it's going to, it's going to accept it if you do it right. Yeah. I mean, I, th I thought the golf course was in great shape, except, you know, it was a little unlucky, I'd say for us, the time of the year that we're playing it, that they were aerating all the fairways. And I think they, it looked as though they were doing it like as we were playing, yeah. which made it visually like probably not as pleasing as others may have seen it in the past. But the greens weren't weren't plugged at all, so they were rolling obviously true and fast. But the fairways, it literally seemed like at times to me when we were walking, like they were just plugging in directly in front of us. Uh, yeah, there was there was a couple times where they had those, uh, you know, like the shotgun shell kind of things all around, where it's like, oh, they they just did this, and they still need to come back and sweep them away because this is the fairways just loaded with them. There plenty yeah. of times where we, we hit into that and just got to. Mm -hmm move them, you know, brush them away. Um, yeah. So, yeah, aesthetically that hurt it because it's not it's not the green that's going to pop when the whole fairway's brown because all of the, you know, again, those gauges are, are there. Uh, that's going to be tough for it. So, uh, it, yeah, it was it was definitely a beautiful setup, right? If you, if you take that away, I loved everything else about it, right? It was a great course. Greens were wonderful. The It was... Again, just unfortunate timing with that, uh, with that aeration. Yeah, yeah and, and and you know, I, I would say when thinking about the golf course, like fours green to fives tee box was probably the best combo on the front nine for me thinking about it. And then I just thought the walk up eighteen with the clubhouse in a distance, yep. a challenging dogleg right par four, like up the hill. Again, those were two spots on the golf course that when I step back and think about a place I needed to have like you know a little recognition something that like sticks out and stands out and to me like those are the two spots on that golf course minus the greens that really like kind of like peaked its head and said like look at me I thought that was pretty cool those two Be spots between four and five right four and five and then 18 yeah uh, I really liked the going away from the clubhouse, I, I thought 10 was a great golf hole. Um, 11 is, is, you know, nice, nice stonework over the, over the pond there. But our caddy had said that sometimes the water level gets too high at 11. So they use another par three there that's not really a par three. It's kind of behind the green on, was that 16? Yeah, it was 16, because then we went 17. Yep, so behind 16 there. I thought that was I thought that was so cool that they have this, like, other 
par three. It, it's a beautiful looking par three. Good little rock wall, kind of, kind of cool keeping the green. fairway cool looking green with like funky bunker that that like if you get unlucky you can miss in in a in like a almost like a finger kind of kind of area there so um really some nice some nice parts to that course i did like 18 coming up the coming up and seeing the clubhouse in the background and the thing i thought about 18 that you didn't really get on like nine coming to the clubhouse you got all the clubhouse on 18 you got kind of the left side that you see in the driveway coming up like the i guess that's where like the restaurant is and the outdoor dining and that kind of thing you don't really get a good angle of that coming on nine and and on 18 you also then get like the pro shop and the stuff to the right of it so i I thought it was a beautiful view as well and i thought it was a great a great golf hole there were you know the big green receptive green uh bunkers are placed right in good spots it's a really good really good finishing hole yeah and same thing i mean i thought number three like that little par four um that second shot kind of like into that uphill you got all those bunkers that are surrounding there like i thought that was another cool spot when i think about the golf course but you know like listen it's i i see what all the hype is about that place Mm -hmm. i see what they say in terms of how fast the greens are and the city and the skyline out in the distance the the practice area was phenomenal they had a little chipping area the the range was amazing all grass range all grass Um, big and and like not huge like matita conch huge but clearly they got it's all grass they got what seemed like 20 yards of depth so they could put it so you're always hitting off fresh grass, and it, it was fairly long as far as like how many stalls, quote unquote stalls, you could you could have people hitting balls. The and again we didn't use it, but looked like some good bunkers, looked like uh, where you could practice from greenside from it. it really good, uh, really good practice facility there too for sure. Yeah, I mean, listen, all in all, it was it was a great day. Um, perfect weather. I mean, you're not going to get many fall days that are as nice as, as it was out there when we played it. Not at all. Um, that was a summer day. We, we played it in the fall, in October, late October, but it was a summer day. Yeah. I mean, listen, a great experience, you know, up, up there. And, and I think that's another reason why when we say, like, golfing in the Garden State, you're getting a little bit of everything. That's just another vindication of what we say. And it validates it again because you got the city right there. You got the skyline. You got the up and down. You got everything there. And it's another another diamond that we have here in, in New Jersey. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it held up to its its hype. Everybody has talked about it. It was it was really great. It really was. All right, that so that's gonna end it for Mike and I here. Arcola, if you get the invite, go take it up. Really wonderful experience. Uh, we're going to keep our Arcola theme here running because we got to sit down with Chris Dijon for over an hour. Uh, we're going to send you to that interview now. So here it is. Enjoy. George Wall Ford in Red Bank, New Jersey is family owned and operated, proudly serving New Jersey residents with superior customer service since 1960. George Wall Ford is a 23-time President's Award-winning store, the most prestigious customer satisfaction award a Ford dealer can receive. 
This golfing family knows what's best from the rest. So make sure you stop in the showroom today to see their surplus of different cars, SUVs, trucks, and more. Or visit them at www.georgewall.com. There isn't a better place to shop. Just call 732-704-1932 and ask for Jeremy Wall. George Wall Ford and Red Bank for all your car buying needs. All right, so today's guest is the 2021 MGA Mid-Am champion. This year alone, he's also won the Walter J. Travis Invitational. He was part of the victorious team at the Carry Cup over Team Ireland. He's also partnered with fellow Arcola member Travis Randolph to win the prestigious Anderson Memorial Four Ball at Wingfoot. Today's guest is Chris Dijon. Chris, thank you so much for coming on today's show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I think, you know, obviously, you know, Ryan and I talked a lot coming into this second season of ours is sitting down more in person with people as much as we can to talk to them about their story. So, you know, being here at Arcola and, and getting to see what this place is about is, is going to be a real treat for us. So why don't you give the audience a little bit of a background about you, about, you know, you growing up in the game, you know, playing, you know, at a very, very high level to kind of where you are today. Sure. Uh, so I grew up in central Connecticut. Uh, my family was members at uh, TPC River Highlands where they play the Travelers Championship. Oh, nice. So nice. I was fortunate. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. Um, very fortunate to, to be able to grow up playing there. Um, and my dad had a club in my hand at a young age. Uh, I think I started swinging when I was four. But um, I played baseball and hockey mostly growing up. Um, I played golf casually uh, for most of my childhood. And then uh, I started playing more competitively um, when I stopped playing baseball in, uh, in high school and then um, started to really develop a passion for it, started playing AJGAs, stuff like that. Uh, nothing at a crazy high level. Um, had a little bit of success there and then um, I uh, decided to stop playing hockey and uh, play golf in college. I went to Skidmore College in Saratoga, New York, which is, um, you know, was at the time a top 10 Division three program and had been, uh, had been really solid in the national um, NCAAs for, for we've been going for like 25 years, something like that. Um, so had a good career there. I won, uh, I think, 12 or 14 times over my four years. Um, Simple. Which, yeah, uh, simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, we had a, we had a great team, crazy coach. There's a lot of stories there I could probably dive into and my college buddies would, would really enjoy. Uh, I'll probably, I'll probably get to that in a second. Um, but we, um, we had a good team. I, I, like I said, I had some success and, uh, you know, it, whether some events one days because of the weather or whatnot, but was still able to, to edge out a, quite a few over my four years. And then uh, I decided to turn pro when I graduated and give it a try. I uh, packed up my car and uh, just kind of drove out of my parents' house, drove down to Florida, uh, crashed with a buddy for a little bit, and then um, you know got my own place and started playing uh, the NGA Hooters Tour and then Latin American tour a bit and uh, kind of bounced around the mini tours for, for five years and loved every minute of it for, for three years. And then after that, I was kind of like, well, am I gonna, am I gonna chase this forever? <laughs> and I was like, wait a second. Did he just say five years? <laughs> he loved it for three years. I loved it for three. Um, 
and then I had a few injuries, lower back injuries, which set me back. But overall, I kind of the, the fourth and fifth year, I kind of had one foot in, one foot out. Uh, still very much what I wanted to do, but didn't want to get kind of trapped into, you know, limiting my options career-wise post-golf if that was the route I was going to take. So um, eventually I, um, I had met uh, early on in my pro career, I had met Charlie Schaefer, who is the founder of Grayson, which is the company I work for now. And when I was kind of in limbo about whether or not I was going to keep playing, he was talking to me about starting Grayson. And, um, you know, I, I, he, he took a risk on me and I, I kind of um, took a risk, you know, joining the startup. And I've been with Grayson now for nine years and uh, company's doing great. And uh, it's been a uh, it's been a wild ride uh, transitioning from from trying to play and technically never having an official job to uh, to working for the same company for nine years. So that's uh, that's kind of my background with uh, loose background with golf and and how we got here. Pretty pretty stepping in the shit there. Yeah, with, with yeah I, ste- I, 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 I stepped <laughs> in the shit. Grayson, yeah. I swear, I, that's something that I bring up. He drools over Grayson. Every I time do. we talk about Grayson, you can see just like his <laughs> that, my eyes light up. Of his mouth. Eyes light up. He's got, he doesn't have di- uh, pupils. He's got those stars yeah. in his eyes because, like cartoon Because characters. to me, like, obviously, I, I love the way it fits on me. To me, like, maybe it's a little... I noticed more, you're not wearing it right now. Which, yeah, you know, I know. I yeah. didn't wear it. Fucked that one up. Yeah, so I fucked yeah, it up because yeah. I feel like I need to wear my shirt here, <laughs> even though, like, I love it. But, like, we'll to have me, to get you some drop pod gracing gear. Listen, don't hesitate. I, I've been wearing that <laughs> fucking to bed. He would sleep uh, in that. <laughs> but to me, like, I just like it the way it's cut, the way it fits, the way it looks, the material. For me, like, I compare everything to Grayson. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Yeah, so to me, it's like, the best. Top of the line. Yeah, it is top of the line. But yeah, you fucking put drop podcasts on it, I'll be rocking that all day long. <laughs> um, but, you know, and obviously going back to your college days, it's getting more like I played Division three golf too at the College of New Jersey. And we always, when we would get to like, I think it was like the regionals aspect, Skidmore was always one of those teams yeah. that was traditionally, you knew that like, I, th- I want to say when we ended up at like Hershey, when they had like the regionals out there, like Skidmore was always the team that you had to find a way to get in front of because you guys always could play good golf. So what year did you graduate? I graduated college in 2006. Okay. So I graduated in 2010. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you're, you're a young buck. You're yeah. a young buck. I'm, I'm pushing I don't, 40. I don't feel I'm, like I'm it pushing anymore, 40s. But, uh, I'll be 40 in November. So it's, okay, I'm going to you know? be covered in CBD oil to go out and play with you guys today. So I certainly, I certainly don't feel, feel, uh, feel young these days. You said are going to be. We both already are. Already are. Yeah. And you got to prepare for the car ride. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously, you know, talking a little bit about like your game specifically, um, you know, I know guys of your level are always looking to win when you're out there because i i think when i i think about you guys to me like you are unbelievable golfers and you know i don't know when you look at your season as a whole do you step back and say like i had a good season you know from the playing side of it or do you say you know i could have done better or i could have done this like because i look at your results you know two t6s t4 a couple wins like Carry cup victory, like, is that something when you look at your season and, and you know, I guess, you know, I'm trying to think of the word. Evaluate. Evaluate, thank you, thank you. Evaluate your season. How do you, how do you look at that? Um, so I'm a little bit more of a masochist than most. So I, 
I don't focus on my positives as much as I should. Um, and I think that's one of my, my biggest downfalls uh, mentally. But um, I think about, well, I'll just dive into the negatives. I, I think about the, uh, I mean, really, like I think about, I mean, for U.S. Mid-Am qualifying this year, I mean, I was like comfortably just breezing through, probably going to medalist, and then just kind of slowed down a little bit on the back nine. And then I had like a 30-yard pitch from the rough. All I had to do was hit the green and two-putt, and I was in. I duffed into the bunker and then um, hit a mediocre bunker shot and horseshoed the putt and then lost in a playoff. Didn't pl- And granted, with work, it actually worked out better because, I mean, having – being able to play in the U.S. Mid-Am at Sleepy would have been great, but I would have had to reschedule a bunch of stuff. But, like, I still think about how the hell can you not hit a green from 30 yards, you know? And then... Uh, I'll show you today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, uh, you know, I, I still think back. Um, we hosted the U.S. Amateur um, with Ridgewood last year, and I was 11 under with four to play, and I bogeyed two of my last four holes and three putted from 20 feet on a par five for par and I missed out by a shot and I had to drive home from West Virginia uh, that night thinking about it the whole ride home and I honestly I still think about it and I shouldn't but um, that's that's just how I'm wired and it also it fuels me in different ways to be better I don't look at it completely as a negative um, I feel like if you just sit around thinking about your positives all the time you know it, it may put you in a better uh, mental situation, but I don't think you learn as much from it. And certain things that I've done negatively that I think about, I'll never do again. Um, so I, I focus on some of my negatives more than I should, but I also try to learn a lot from them. Um, so like going back to your initial question, um, I do overall look back uh, on this year positively, um, but like I'd say over the past few years, um, so I, I got back into playing competitive golf uh, in 2020. I got my amateur status back. The wonderful USGA hit me with two-year wait, which they now have done away with. Um, and I started getting into it um, and getting a taste for it. And then I, I really started developing a passion in 21, 22. And now kind of, I feel like I've, I've, put myself a bit on the scene, you know, making the French American team last year, the Kerry Cup this year, um, and becoming great friends with a lot of the guys on the teams and on the teams and the top players in the area. So it's been it's been a lot of fun and it's become a big part of my my identity now, I would say. Um, and but looking back on the season, I got off to a great start. I, I played really well at the Coleman um, at Seminole. That was probably I mean I I had my, uh, probably should have said this earlier, but uh, my wife and I welcomed our first uh, child in January. Congrats. Congrats. Thank you, Leo. He's nine months. And um, on, I want to say, he was born on uh, January 17th. And I think I got the email invite from the Coleman on like February 10th. And I didn't even blink. I just clicked yes um, because I was so excited to get the invite. And then I kind of tiptoed out of my office and looked at my wife. I was like, so I'm going to Florida in April for a week. I was like, I'll fly you down. I'll fly whoever you want down. Like, I want you to come, but I'm going. 
Is that okay? <laughs> uh, I can just see you with going? the laptop in yeah. your office. Just yeah, I'm coming going. Out, like poking behind the door, be like, um, and then is, is it okay? This, but but I'm already going, yeah. so it's kind of like. And she she's very supportive, so she was uh, she was like, no, you go, like have fun. Um, and it was an awesome week, uh, and I fortunately played played really well, and uh, came in six, which gets me an invite back. So I'm looking forward to that, and then. My next event was the Travis, which I, you know, I, I obviously won, but um, it was a lot of rain, changed the format. It was a crazy weekend, um, but came out on top there and didn't really think I was playing great. Um, I had one good round. And then the next week or two weeks after that, Trevor and I won the won the Anderson at Wingfoot, which is crazy. Um, which is a big time tournament too. My, my research on that thing was like, this is the... The cream of the crop. I think it's, any four ball like this is the I think event. It, it's the four ball, right. right? I mean, if there's besides the U.S. four ball, it's Correct. the Anderson. And I remember years ago when I didn't really know much about the amateur golf scene, like I still knew what the Anderson was. And <laughs> funny story from the Anderson. So Trevor and I are starting off on because the way the East Course is routed, you start off on eleven and one. So we're starting off on 11, which is a, I don't know if you've ever played Wingfoot East, but it's a, I don't know, I think it's like 360 yards, but that's kind of as the fairway goes, it's more like a 340, 330 shot. So like for us, if, if you can like hammer one, you can almost get it up to the, the front edge of the green. I think it was, however it happened, Trevor had like 70 yards in and I had like 40, all right? And the green's gnarly, the pin was like the front right. And... Trevor spins one off the front. I hit this like drop kick mediocre shot to like 20 feet past the flag, which is fucking dead. <laughs> and we're just sitting there. He duffs it up there after that to like eight, uh, I don't know, maybe 15 feet. I put my ball off the green because there's really like, n you basically have to <laughs> putt backwards to like keep it. So, and then I hit a, another crappy putt up that comes back to me. I make a double and he barely struggles to make a bogey. So we have to cart a bogey on our first hole. And the next hole is a par five that I think we had to chip in for par, to wow. cart a par. And our caddy at the time was looking at me and I had never met him before, Max. He actually caddied for me in the, in the carry cup at Wingfoot this oh, week, nice. so it was awesome. But he, I was ready to just like mail it in. I was like, we're, we're done here. Like, I don't, I don't want to be here right now. Like I got work to do like this, this sucks. <laughs> and then Trevor birdies the next hole and we start getting some momentum and end up, you know, carding a good round and we make it to match play. We play well in the next day. And then it just kind of all happened from there and the game kind of came together. And that's the beauty of match play. Um, after that, like 16 teams are all, you know, starting off equal and you know, we hit a lot of great shots and a lot of shitty shots, but we ended up edging it out. Um, and uh, yeah, it was an awesome, awesome week. Does that, does that winning that, you and Trevor winning that, does that get you into next year automatically or is it still an invitation-based kind of so, process? So um, I'm pretty sure if you, I, I don't know any of this for certainty. Gotcha. Um, but Trevor's the one that gets, has gotten the invite. So we played, we, we didn't play last year, we played the year before and we didn't make it to match play. And then I forget why we took last year off, but this year, like he got the invite. And 
so I think when you win, you get a five-year exemption. Oh, nice. Um, I'm fairly certain if you're like, you're not an asshole and you know, you're do, do the right things and you're, you're professional and how you approach things. You're they like you there. They like you there. You're going to get an invite unless you lose your game and you're shooting, you know, 95 every time you go. Uh, but don't say anything, Mike. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, 95 is a great score, guys. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I think you kind of get an invite. Um, you definitely, as long as you stay as a team, I think you pretty much get an invite for life. Yeah, nice. But um, it's a good one to be invited. Yeah, I, I, I could be wrong in that. And there's a senior division, which you know, I'd I'd love to be able to play in. You know, <laughs> in, in years to come. Uh, I mean, my name's on the board in gold paint. So um, that's a nice one. Yeah, I. Uh, I was talking to, um, years ago, I was talking to, so Grant Sturgeon, our head pro here, is, is the absolute best, and he worked for Wingfoot for a long time, and, you know, he used to talk, I, I got, this year I got to spend a lot of time at Wingfoot. Before that, I've been there, you know, 10 times, but it's, it's such a special place, and that Nibs bar is so cool, and, and he always said, he's like, you know, you, uh, it's nothing cooler than getting your name in, in Nibs bar and gold paint, and... I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after this year, I'm like, I, it's not up there yet. And I, the first thing I did when I got to Wingfoot for the Carry Cup was walked into the Nibs bar and looked for my name. <laughs> so, go. I mean, I'm, I'm really excited for that to go yeah, up. That's yeah. pretty cool. So l- let me ask you, you played Seminole to start your season. Mm-hmm. And then where was the Travis? Garden City Golf Club. Okay. And, and then you played Wingfoot. Those are your first three tournaments of this season? And the following week was National Golf Links. So... Yeah. So it sucks to be you. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry for your point. Regardless there. of yeah. how good or bad yeah. you're playing, <laughs> yeah, that's a nice stretch. You, you know, it's, it's, a nice it's, stretch. it's an unbelievable stretch. And honestly, you lose, you lose, a, you don't lose any appreciation for it while you're there. But like, I haven't thought about it the way you just phrased it in a long time. Right. right? And honestly, when I was at National Golf Links playing in the singles, I was thinking, man, I'm fucking tired. You know, like, uh, and it, it's not you know, on one of the nicest pizza property in America. Well, I mean, it's it's funny. Like, you you play. I I have played a pretty competitive schedule for the past two seasons, and you know, I've talked to I talked to Tilly about it recently. I talked to Costanza about it, and like all of us, I think, are especially now that I'm a dad, I'm gonna dial it back a little bit um, with events because between work and family, like. I'm not a professional golfer, so like, and, and I'm no spring chicken, like I said. I mean, like my back, my neck, everything fucking hurts. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm thinking about you, you think about it in the moment. You're like, I've just played like three weeks in a row. I'm working, you know, while I'm on the golf course. I mean, at any given moment, one of the ways that I'm fortunate with Grayson is like, I'll keep my phone in my back pocket uh, for all of these events, and I'll write emails as I'm walking up the fairway, and. Um, one, it keeps me from falling behind on work. You know, anything that like it needs like a lot of attention that it can't be fixed via an email, I'll just flag and do it after the round. But um, anything else, like I mean, short of taking a phone call in the middle of the fairway, like I'm doing it, and that one gives me peace of mind that it's okay to be doing what I'm doing. Uh, and two, uh, it also takes my mind off some of the shots I was just I'm hitting. Gonna say, yeah. Like if I hit a shot like out to the right, I'm just like, fuck it, I, I work for a living. Yeah, you know, exactly. like I, I'm just gonna, you know, <laughs> just block one into the trees. Like I'll just pitch out. I gotta write yeah. this email. You know, 
And Mike, <clears throat> I was just going to say, Mike and I talk about that with a lot of people in your shoes, with Tilly, with with Costanza. Um, we've talked to other people. Yes, Stu, we talked yeah. about this too. Your ability to play golf at such a high level while still balancing family, work, in that order, and, and then maybe golf is next unless you've got something else. How do you... How do you find time to practice? What are you doing to, to do that? And then I'll add this caveat to it. It's late October. You live in the Northeast. How are you doing it over the winter? And, and I will say this before you even answer. Like that question that Rod just asked is probably the one thing that I always hear on the side. Mike, can you ask them how they balance it all while still playing golf at such a high level? For me, I mean, I have an amazing wife. Uh, she's, she's really easygoing. I mean, obviously the Leo has thrown a little bit of a, a wrench in, in like, uh, time management and being able to practice, but I'll like, for me, I even, so before, um, our son was born, I would, I'm an early riser. So like my whole life, I don't sleep. Like I don't need more than five or six hours. I'll wake up That's my at, type of guy. at 5 a.m. Um, I was up at 4 a.m. this morning yeah. jogging. So was I. I was up at four. See, that's my type um, of guy, dude. Hold on, but, hold on. Were you up at four or were you up at 3.55? Well, the alarm went off at 3.55. <laughs> right, he was on the road at 4.05. Yeah, right. that's aggressive. To start running. Um, I've done it before, though. I mean, <laughs> uh, to run? Yeah. Oh, see, I don't, I don't even run when I'm chased. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Is that often? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Not not often. So I don't yeah. fucking run. Uh, you know, getting myself in the getting myself in the gym is uh, is is hard enough. Let alone, uh, I mean, I should be running, but that's a whole nother whole nother issue that I don't feel like diving into at the moment. But um, to go back to your to your uh, question, so like getting up early, I'll I don't do it as much as I used to because of uh, uh, Leo, but like I would come over here, especially when I was, you know, fortunate five years ago to join Arcola, like, um, especially since we moved out, out of the city, um, I'll drive over here and hit balls for like an hour, first thing in the morning. Um, I'm a, it's changed a little bit as I've gotten older because I don't see the benefits as much and my body breaks down a little bit more, but I've always been a range rat. Um, and I, pretty much everything. I, I could practice for two hours and go home, which I do. I don't play Arcola as much as you would think. Uh, mostly, be, I mean, I probably played here 10 or 12 times this year, um, but I've been here probably 60 times. And I'll come here uh, for an hour or two hours um, and I'll just, you know, I'll hit balls for 45 minutes. I'll, I work on my short game a lot. And I feel like that's part of my game that's like ever evolving. I mean, one season to the next, I can hit a pitch shot just totally different. And I'm just like, you know, if I take three weeks off, I'll show up and I'm like I'm hitting a different kind of pitch from here than I would have three weeks ago. I, I don't know. I, that, that's something I fuck around with a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so like, how do, how do I manage it? Um, when, I, when I find time, like, I live seven minutes from here. So like for me to just hop in the car and come over here at four o'clock in the afternoon, hit balls for an hour and still, still be home for dinner, um, it's pretty easy. And I do that quite a bit. Um, and you know, I, like I said, my wife's super easy. So like on a Saturday morning, if I just wanna hop over here for an hour, like I'm just gonna hit balls and I hit balls for 40 minutes, hit 15 chips or pitches and like some bunker shots and I, I go home. Or, um, 
what I do a lot now that we have a, a son is I'll come over here, like I said, at like four or five o'clock, practice for a few hours, grab dinner here to hit the minimum and, and bring it home, you know? Um, and then in the, in the winter time, I, this, last year was the first year I did anything. So I started working with Jason Birnbaum at Manhattan Woods. Yeah. Um, yeah. He works yeah. with Daughter yep. Up and Jack Wall. Yep, yeah, exactly. I've, I've talked to him a couple of times. So uh, he's been great. And I started working with him last July. Um, I was hitting it like shit. It was a Thursday afternoon. I went and met with him. We made these little tweaks. And the next day I came out and I won the Arcola Cup. Um, and that was a good one. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. I won that twice. Uh, I didn't win this year, but another uh, Xavier Daly, another Arcola guy, won it. So we kept it, kept, kept it at the club. Kept it home. Um, but yeah, I came out. I was playing with my buddy Pat Wilson. Uh, we, I'm on the committee for the Arcola Cup, so I we had a favorable pairing, yeah. and uh, we had a good time. I came out, and I, I don't think I've hit it that good in, in years. And still, that was probably one of my best ball striking rounds that morning. Um, I didn't miss hit a shot, and. I didn't work with Jason until after that, until uh, I want to say like November. And I worked with him about five or six times over this winter, making some more substantial changes. And it was a lot. And honestly, I started hitting it like shit because I was overdoing what, um, what we were working on. And I called him and was like, I need an emergency lesson. Like this is a Monday morning. I'm getting on a plane on Tuesday to go to the Coleman. I was like, dude, I'm hitting hooks, like snap hooks, and went down there, uh, got on a plane, went down there, like literally get out of the car, I'm driving to the range, I'm like, am I, I don't know if I'm about to be shanking it on the range of Seminole right now, like I don't know how I'm going to hit it, and hit it fairly decent, made a bunch of birdies in the nine-hole practice round, went out the next morning to practice round, shot 65, and I was like, fuck, and then I, I hit it great all week, and then I, like I said, I, I went into, right after that, I went into two wins. And it's kind of amazing how fast I've noticed, like, my game can just turn around. Um, and it's, it's been great. Uh, I've worked with them a few times since then and plan on working with them a bit more this winter. But uh, I don't play golf in the winter. Um, I might go down to Florida once or twice, max. Uh, if, we had a, if we had a learning center here, uh, I would use that a lot, but I don't, like at the end of this year, I, I found out a bunch of the Arcola guys were going over to this, like every Monday night, the simulator place and playing every every week. And I was like, shit, I wish I knew I would do it. Um, so I might do a little bit more this year, but uh, yeah, honestly, I don't, I don't do really anything over the winter. I, I'd imagine someone who plays your schedule so competitive for so long, basically, you know, you said... April, you went down to Seminole. Yep. You know, till till just this week, that's a long season. So a time yeah, off I'm, is probably needed I mean, and I, welcome. I'm honestly cooked. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm uh, I mean, my neck's been bothering me for about a month. I didn't play much golf. I withdrew from uh, the Met Mid Am this year um, because I tried to play golf in the at the Feral and I struggled. I was hurt. Um, and I really just wanted to rest up for the carry cup. Uh, and it, I think it speaks, you know, to what, how awesome an event and the camaraderie and how much all of us care about playing in these MGA team events, because I, I, I was, I think I was 10th in the points and I don't really care about the point, the points. Like I don't like 
study it and whatnot, but I, I keep an eye on it because I don't want to have to qualify for anything. And I think I'm currently 10th on the points list, which gets me exempt. But I had to withdraw from the Met Open mid-tournament. Which was here. Which was here. I was going to ask you the reason why, because even when, sometimes when I see that, I, you know, I don't obviously know what's going on. I'll check the scorecard yeah. because sometimes I know when guys aren't playing well, it's like, all right, now I'm, I have a real job. I might as well just go work instead of like no. butchering it. But you weren't playing bad. No, I uh, I wasn't playing great, but no, um, but you weren't. It wasn't like no, it was. You know, uh, it wasn't like ninety five. So we had a whoa, easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we had a little scare with my son. My wife called me. Um, he was he was getting uh, sick for an extended period of time, and uh, she was she was um, you know struggling with it, and uh, so we had to take him to the emergency room. So. Um, I, yeah. it turned out to be fine. He just had a stomach bug, but, uh, it was scary there for a minute. And, you know, there's more important things than golf. Yeah, no doubt. Sure. Yeah, no doubt. Going so, back to what we said yeah. a, minute, a couple yeah. minutes ago. Is yeah. that- so, um, which, you know, it, in hindsight, like, uh, all I had to do was finish the tournament and I would be in like, you know, seventh in the points. Um, all I had to do was play in the, in the Met Mid-Am and, you know, I'd be, I'd be inside of 10. I, I just love bubbling myself. Um, but uh, going back to that, yeah, I, I, I withdrew from uh, the Met Mid just because I wanted to, didn't want to let the team down um, and have to withdraw or, you know, be injured for the, for the carry cup. So that definitely, definitely wanted to do that. So I, I always like to, to, you know, one of our earlier guests in April said, you know, you should do some digging on some of the guys and oh, come, up, come up with some things about each, each guy and you know, I think it's as long as it's, you know, I said as long as it's appropriate, I'm not looking to dive into dirty, dirty secrets. So I, I did text Tilly last night. Oh, fuck. And right. I said, I said, can you give me something? I'm sitting down with Chris tomorrow. Can you give me something? And he wouldn't give me anything. Said like, you know, great guy, good golfer, you'll have fun. I said, all right, well, that, that struck out there. So I said, I'm going to text Costanza. Let me see if I can get something out of him. Well, he just texted me. And here's what he said. He said, I need to ask you about the real Frenchman at Quaker Ridge. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so what's that about? <laughs> okay. Uh, so last year, French America, uh, French American matches. Um, the Ligue des Paris is uh, who, um, who are the, the French teams. Um, and uh, <laughs> so... We are, apparently we had, this is my first international team for the MGA. Apparently we had not beaten or we hadn't won against the French in like 20-something years. Wow. They just kicked the shit out of us. Apparently they have like, their four women on their team are like basically LPGA Tour players that just like never turn pro. And it's just like, they're sick. Um, But, uh, I mean, we just played the Irish. Uh, We had a good time with them. Not not so great in some aspects with the with the French. Um, hard to believe, right? Um, so Christian Cavalieri, who's a, a good buddy of mine, I've known him for a long time. He interned at uh, at Grayson uh, in the early days. Um, he's my partner um, in the uh, foursomes and four ball, and so um, we're. We're one up 
uh, in the afternoon, and we're playing these two guys, uh, one of which um, I'm not generally a big fan of, and still am not, and you'll hear why. Um, so we're, it's pitch black. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just get this out right out in the beginning. Like, um, you can see that he's, yeah, he's, he's walking slowly in terms of what he's trying to say, you know, without just bluntly just yeah. coming out and saying it. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say that in hindsight, I was in the right or Christian. Um, but we did fuck them over. Um, unintentionally, it was just kind of like a team thought. But anyways, so I could barely see on the 17th green. I had like eight feet for birdie to win the match, and I just miss it. And we're walking to the eight. We're the last group out. We're walking to the 18th tee. You can't see fucking shit. I mean, it's pitch black. And we all decide we're going to finish, right? And I admit that right now. Like, we all said we're going to finish. I blocked my drive way fucking right, which it didn't feel like it was that far right, but... In hindsight, we found it on the, like the last three seconds, and it was right. And everyone, all the guys, team members, everyone was like, "Dude, you said you were in the right rough. Like this is the right fucking trees." <laughs> I'm like, "I don't fucking know. Like I couldn't see shit." And Christian's down the middle, and so are both of them. So they hit with their teammates holding a flashlight up to their ball, which we haven't gotten an answer on this from anyone, but I'm pretty sure it's fucking illegal. So. We're the last to hit, and our captains come up and like, do you want to hit? And I was like, well, I can't see anything, but like, like you don't have to hit. So Christian and I are like, all right, so we won't hit, and we don't think anything of it. Well, these kids are up on the green. We're delayed walking up. We mark our ball, and they're f there's everyone's on the green, and they're fucking flipping out. Like every French player screaming, we're pieces of shit, like in our face, like it's 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 elevating, you know, and. Uh, so this one guy is like acting like a total asshole and he's he's marking his ball he's videoing his line like he's gonna go home and studying it it's like hey man like grow the fuck up and he screams he's like i'm gonna show you tomorrow what a real frenchman is and we're just like cool man like have a nice night you know <laughs> and so that was kind of the story but it, it was uh um we fucked them over a bit, but we were in our right to do it. It was just kind of a little shitty on the tee box when we all agreed to it. Um, but like, it, it it definitely their captain and their 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 coach and their captain came out and they were getting into it with the MGA and it was uh, it definitely made for an interesting dinner with all of us. We were uh, we weren't having dinner with them, but our team was like, "What the fuck was that?" I was like, "Ah, I don't know." But either way, we came out the next morning. And, um, Did he make the putt? <clears throat> he two putted, but Christian and I both fucking three putted, and we lost a hole to have the match. Which honestly, um, in hindsight, it all worked out really well because um, they that like that what's the word I'm looking for? De-escalated the yeah. situation, and we went out and smoked them in singles and ended up winning, and it just made it that much better. Yeah. But. Um, it's it probably to your listeners didn't sound like that entertaining of a story, but it was it was pretty fucking hysterical yeah, uh, in the moment. Like it was one thing. Like honestly, I would have almost like felt bad if he wasn't acting like such a tool. Like it was just like, all right, man, grow up. Like yeah. Anyways, that's the story. When it well, yeah. So. Were you paired up with him in singles? No. That would have been. Um, that been that no, I was. Uh, he played Matt Matari, I think, the next day. Um, but 
No, that would have been that would have been great um, <laughs> if either Christian and I was were paired with him. Um, I think Christian played the other kid in the group, but he wasn't. He was acting, you know, fine. Uh, it was this one dude that was, uh, yeah. So when it comes to like these international events, is is obviously you know since we've kind of dived a little bit into that, and and I like to like do my research and follow it and see what's going on, and always seem like I'm a fan from the outside, like. Obviously, you mentioned that women play in it as well. Like, how are the teams selected? Is it is it four men and four women? Is it six and two? Is it kind of like how – or is everything different? No, no, no. It's uh, both teams are six men, four women. And it's based off of the current year's points or your – if you want to call it points, your performance in the current year and the previous year. So um, – and then – it's that's what it generally is and then the committee obviously and the captains have a, a say mm -hmm. i'd say the first three men and two women are basically locked in based on points and then there's some room for i want to say captain's picks it's still based off points right. i could be wrong in this by the way so i don't i don't know for sure but that's generally the how it works and by points you're going off the wagger points correct no incorrect uh going off of the uh mga, MGA points. points oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, probably not, like if we went off wagger points, I wouldn't be on the team. Uh, that's, uh, so that's what I was kind of. Okay. So it's like their season-long lit points list in terms yes. of how you yeah. do in their events. You accumulate X amount of points, so on. And it's so not on. just their events. Like um, they, there's a bunch of uh, regional like invitationals, like the Travis or, you know, a couple weeks ago the the Nassau Invitational. There's the Hawkster uh, Arcola Cup. Um, there's like 15 of them, uh, and all of those generate a different amount of points. Obviously the MGA events have a bunch, are the highest points. And then, you know, uh, New Jersey Golf Association has, is on there as well. They basically, anything you play in the Met section, or even like if you play well in a national event, like the US qualifier, like a US Open Correct. qualifier, USGA, yep. they all, they all gets, count towards, they all yeah, count yeah, towards yeah, points. Yeah. So it, it's, it, they do a really good job of like encompassing your entire uh, year's play. Unless you're, there's certain things, like if you play in like, not that I, I would get invited or ever would, but like if you play in the Western Amateur or something like that, I don't think that, they might give you points. I don't know. You'd have to petition them for that, but I, they, do a, they do a really good job of that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cool. Is, is there one, is there one that you haven't won that you want badly? In the Met area? Yeah, in the Met area, or even the, or even the NJSJ area. Like, is there, is there one that you look at your, yeah, that I, you say like, God damn it, I want this one? <laughs> So there, it, that's twofold. Um, I want to win, obviously, the most importantly, an MGA major besides the Mid-Am. So I want to win the Ike Med Open or uh, Med-Am. That definitely I want to want to win. Um, but kind of the elusive one, which I almost, um, I, I don't actually mean this, but I almost don't want to play in it anymore, is the fucking New Jersey Amateur. I mean, I've led it going into the final round two of the last three years and coughed it up or been beaten, whatever you want to call it. This year I was within a shot or two and then hit one out of bounds on 18. Uh, I mean, I made, I went, I finished, I think I finished birdie, double, birdie, double to finish my round this year. Um, so, I mean, Jack Wall, great player, earned a victory. Um, but like just every fucking year, I feel like I'm in, I finished in the top five of that event and just don't win it. <laughs> I, know. It's I, like, I, I started doing my research on that tournament specifically yeah just looking at it like i saw you made even a double eagle in 2021 i did Le yeah yeah leading going into the final round and then celebrity came back and and won it 
this year I was following along. Well, Celebrity played great, shot 64, but I, I also shot like 75 in the final I round. Know, I know. I didn't want to bring up the negative. I didn't. But I did see that. Like, that is one that I feel like your name, when I kept going back on results tab and checking them, it's like T4, T3, T6, T4, and you're it's all right there. Yeah. No, it's funny. The the, we have the same, the New Jersey section, I, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but the same reporter uh, covers the New Jersey events like um, every time. And he brought it up this year after like the final round. He's like, you, well, you got to be happy. Like, you know, another top five, like you consider you, you've established yourself as like a top player in New Jersey, like four years in a row. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not fucking happy. Like, I am sorry, but like, I, I just lost this event for the fourth straight year. Like, no, I'm not fucking happy right now. And I feel like too often, I'm too honest with some of these people after the round. They're like, so are you happy with your round? I'm like, no. Um, so I, I got to work on that. Uh, for sure. But that kind of comes back to what we started with, was how do you view your season? You, yeah. you have a bunch of wins, you played some great places, you yeah. got some good finishes. And I think that competitive mindset of like wanting to be, you know you're a fantastic golfer and you feel like going into a tournament, you feel like you should win it every time. It, I don't think I'm off in that statement. No, and, I, so I don't feel like I should win, like I want to win every event. I think it's careless, reckless, whatever you want to call it, to think you're going to win every event. Um, I mean, look, the, you're going to have, it's golf. You're going to have way more bad rounds than you are good ones. Um, you're going to be displeased with your round more often than you are pleased. And especially if you hold yourself to a higher, a high standard. So I, I'd say uh, two years ago-ish, when did I win the mid-am? 21. In 21, I qualified for the USAM, my first USGA event ever. Um, and uh, I had played really well that year in general. And then I won the, the Mid-Am. And after that year, I'd say I pretty much considered, I, I showed up to every event thinking whether it was true or not that I'm the best player in the field. I can beat anyone in the field. And, or for, to put it more accurately, I'd say there's probably, I showed up to each event thinking there was five people in the field that could beat me. And that gave me the mindset that like, regardless, I'm not finishing outside the top 10. Like, I'm just gonna show up, play my game, and I'll be in the top 10 every time. And if you think that way, and it, it just gives you another level of confidence or gave me another level of confidence to feel like if I, if I do the, plan enough events and think that way, there's going to be a win or two in there. Yeah. And just let, let the rounds develop, let the, you know, hit the shots, go do it, um, and, and good things are going to happen over the course of a season. That's the Brooks Kepka math, right? You yeah. go to a major, he's like, there's seven, eight guys that can win this. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what you've done there. Uh, yeah, and whether it's, you know, true or not, I've convinced myself that, like, that's a, that's a good way to go about it. And... Um, you know, I may not have the resume or the success as some of the other guys in the event, but it's a, it's each event's a new event. It's a new day and you're all starting clean. Yeah. So just go out there and, and hit the shots and, and see where it goes. Which kind of leads me to this place specifically. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I can't tell you how many people have said to us point blank, like that place up there is 
so pure. The views are unreal. The place is like beyond nice. Like what's something, and I guess when you're coming back and getting out of the city and coming to this area, like why Arcola? Like why this spot compared to others? Because we know in this area specifically, in this little radius, there are gem after gem after gem. Why this one? So, um, more obviously, uh, Morgan Hoffman is um, has been a member here since he was a kid. Um, he's a good buddy of mine, and uh, he's involved with Grayson. So um, when I I moved into the city in uh, I don't remember when it was uh, eight no when did I move to the city twenty nineteen maybe either way um, I was looking to join a club. Uh, I wanted to start playing more, competing, and uh, I played, I came, I'd obviously done business here for a little while with Grayson, but um, I came out and played with him and then played in his charity outing, and I was like, this place is pure. Just like, I couldn't believe how, how good it was. Uh, the greens here are insane. Like, I would, I would put them up against any place in the entire area, and I would say, besides Wingfoot to me, I would say day in and day out, we have the best greens I've ever played, on, on average. I mean, you guys are gonna come out here today, obviously it's a fall day, greens are um, usually pretty great in, in, in this time of year, but they'll be 14, and perfect. Like, just, it's, I, when I first joined here, I three-putted the three or four times around for the first five rounds, because I couldn't believe how fast they were. And uh, so that was something for me, um, it's a championship layout, which I like, um, you know, it's not super tight, it's open, but you know, you can't just hit it everywhere. So it's, it's got that versatility. And most importantly, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm a range rat and we have an unreal practice facility, which you don't find really anywhere in the Met area. Um, especially with that kind of radius to the city. And I lived on the upper West side and it was 15 minutes on a Saturday morning to get here might take me 45 to get home, but it was 15 minutes door to door to get here. Um, so it was, it was perfect. It kind of checked every box and it's a, you know, I wasn't uh, married at the time. Uh, I wasn't single, but um, it, it, it's a golf club and I wanted a golf club uh, more than a country club. You know, I catch a little bit of flack for that uh, from the, from the wife now, but, um, and uh, the guys here are awesome and the playing membership, the golf IQ here is very high. And we have, I, I think we were talking about this earlier, um, we have some of the lowest handicaps or have one of the lowest handicap clubs in, in the country. And there's a lot of great guys to play with. And uh, I've, met, I've met a lot of great guys here over the, over the years. Yeah, that's something I've doing my research. I saw that this place, even so much, I saw like a little clip from the superintendent of how the course is maintained for that single digit, that championship style yeah, golf Paul, course. Paul Dottie, our, our uh, superintendent here, is an absolute legend. I mean, he has transformed this place into what it is, um, what it is now, and it, it's, it's nothing short of incredible. And you guys are gonna see that. I mean, unfortunately, they started punching the, uh, the fairways, um, so you might have to roll your ball over here, but they'll still be pure. Yeah. yeah. It's, Okay. If we if we find yeah. the fairway, yeah. so, <laughs> that's, a, that's a big assumption yeah. there. Yeah, that, that, and that's what I think. And I think for someone on your level, like when you're looking for, you know, that competitive nature, that environment, that championship style, like 
seeing all the people that play out of here along with yourself, it's like, wow, okay, it's, it is the cream of the crop. And it is a, you could go get a quote, like Saturday morning game against really good competition and not feel like I got to give somebody like us like 13 aside and feel like it's kind of like worth your while. Yeah, I know it's, it's great. There's a lot of, I think we have like 12 or 12 guys that are better than scratch. I think um, something like that. It's I might crazy. be slightly off, it's crazy. but um, it's crazy. It's uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty great. Um, and on any given day, you know, you can you can get a game, and um, you know, Trevor has become a good friend, and he's uh, um, you know a, a fierce competitor, and uh, you know he he likes to to give give you some shit and stuff, but he he takes it pretty well, and we. We beat each other up a bit, but um, yeah, there's a there's a lot of lot of good players here. So let's talk a little bit about your towels. Oh, the towels. Yeah. So it's like, not my towels. I mean, I my well, I'm ha- it's my buddy uh, my buddy Mike's um, startup. It's uh, um, it's called No Dirt Golf. Um, okay. He basically uh, during COVID um, decided to uh, to uh, source a manufacturer and produce. Um, produce some towels and I think he's the first person to ever think of putting a brush on a towel. I was just going to say I'm I'm sitting here rubbing it. This is wow. That's kind of what everyone says. This They're is like, game changing to the towel game. thought of this? And you'd um, think that like towels are just pretty standard like you know towels have been the same for however long. Yeah. It's this a, is game it, changing. You know, it's a, it really is. It's a, I love I, the logo too to be honest with you. I do. We change it a little bit if you look at the new one it has a black tab on it. Um that just says no dirt golf, so it's a little cleaner on the on the package Maybe. ones there, yeah. But um, completely custom, we can uh, print basically anything on them um, for clubs or um, or um, you know companies, businesses, outings, stuff like that. So it's been a it's been a fun little fun little project, and more more importantly, it's just a great way for me to uh, my he moved out to uh, Colorado and now lives in Utah, and it's just a really great way for for us to just kind of like shoot the shit, have some fun yeah. and, and, uh, and, and work together. You so. know what it is? It's a great, it's a great caddy towel yeah. for people that legit caddy and yeah. they're out there all the time. Instead of the generic, like white bib, more or less the towel, like having something like this, where it actually would clean the grooves. That's right. Are, yeah. Is huge. With minimal effort. Yeah. Which this is, is like, uh, yeah. I mean, the fact that I could just cover the, the iron up and just start scrubbing it while the towel's wet. Yeah. Seems to be a no-brainer. <laughs> it's uh, it's it, it seems so so yeah. easy, yeah. but yeah. Uh, but no one had no one had really done it yet. So, um, yeah. So uh, nodirtgolf.com and uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's the biz. I like that. So, kind of as a wrap up here, I I always like to ask guests, you know, kind of a um, you know, if they had the opportunity to go play a public or a private in the state. Um, excluding here your home at Arcola and then also Pine Valley because you know the opportunities that people get to go play there are slim to none mm-hmm. um, can you give me a public and a private that you'd say you get the chance to go play you got to go do it so we we joked around about this earlier but um, through grace and I'm, I'm obviously very spoiled with uh, who we do business with and I have gotten to play and can play quite a bit of places um, in the area um, and like we were saying, I, I don't know a lot of um, uh, 
daily fee places in the area, but I'd say probably public would be Ballyowen at Crystal Springs. Um, I've done business there for, for a while and it's unbelievable, unbelievable uh, public golf course. And pub, I mean, uh, private's tough. Um, we've got so many good ones. This is gonna lead to a, a funny story, but I qualified for the um, Met Open in 2020 at Mountain Ridge. I'd say Mountain Ridge is the hidden gem in New Jersey, bar none. People, it's crazy. It's you know, people, people said that to us. We talked to Alex Beach, and I swear to God, he swears. It's fucking swears sick. by Mountain Ridge. Yeah. Someone else so brought up good. Mountain Ridge too. It might have been Gap. Brian Gaffney might have also yeah. said Mountain Ridge, and I'm like, I guess this is another spot that we got to venture to. It is so good. Um, so I don't know what I had going on work-wise, but I didn't play a practice round. I just showed up for round one of uh, of the Met Open, and just I didn't bring a caddy got a fucking push cart and I just like, oh, here we go. Um, and it, I was blown away. I mean, for the event, they grew the rough out so long, like comical US Open rough. And um, I, I, I can't think of a bad hole out there. And they changed the 18th because um, of the, the airport there. And I still think it's a good hole. So I have a hard time thinking of anywhere else now. Have I played everywhere in the state? No. So could I be could it be wrong there that there's somewhere else? Very much so. Um, I love Balti. I my one of my best friends is a member there. I play Balti quite a bit um, and and love it, especially the changes Gil did to um, to the lower. But Mountain Ridge. I mean, I, it's a uh, it's another popular it, one. It really is. It's Honestly, I would say one. the two most popular are here and Mountain no, Ridge. I really would. Because everybody knows, here's the thing, everybody knows Balti. Everybody knows Ridgewood. Everybody knows Plainfield. Somerset like Hills. Somerset Hills. Like, like these, if you, you want to talk about like the upper echelon ones, sure. the ones that are ranked in the top 100 in the country, right? Everybody knows so those. The, but like Arcola's not, right. Mountain Ridge is not, but everybody See, I think, like, I, think, I think it's criminal where Arcola and Mountain Ridge are ranked in the state and national rankings. Right, and, that's, and that's, that's the theme. Yeah. Because it's, I feel like I, I actually got into a conversation one time on Twitter with a golf.com writer who ranks the New Jersey golf courses. And I said to him, I think your rankings are wrong. And we were having DM after DM going back at each other like, no, I'm not. Yes, I am. Like, here's why. Here's Because I thought some of his things on there were just like inaccurate because I, I feel like there's other spots that you just see the same ones. I feel like they just, you know, rinse recycle, you know, yeah, rinse and repeat the same ones every year. I'm like, dude, you haven't played this yet, have you? You're going off some random survey that someone filled out on golfdigest.com. Yeah, I'm not gonna pretend that I'm educated enough in gar golf course architecture or whatever the ratings are, because I'm not. I don't know how they do it or what the categories are. I just, I just, if I'm showing up and playing a golf course, I would arrange, personally arrange their list differently. And um, that's just, I mean, I, I don't know what it is right now. I can't like list them out, but I, I grew up um, with friends from, uh, the high school I went to, their members at Somerset Hills. I love Somerset Hills. It's an unbelievable golf course, unbelievable architecture. Um, I would prefer on a daily basis to play more of a championship layout. 
but I still think it, it holds where it, where it is. Mm-hmm. I think it's an unbelievable golf course. And so I'm not taking anything away from there. I'm not taking anything away from Ridgewood, Plainfield, Balti, or any of them. I mean, there's so many good golf courses in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in the state of New Jersey. It's just, you know, I, I go, I'm spoiled. I get to come here. So when people um, play here or for the first time, they're just like raving about it. I had never, like I said, I never played Mountain Ridge and I showed up and played it. And I was like, I, I'd done business here. I never knew this place was that good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still have people that I, you know, pros that I do business with from different, um, different areas that'll send me a note or send, uh, I had one the other day, Danny Balin, um, texted me about work and was like, by the way, our call is fucking sick. You know, he showed up, he didn't play a practice round, showed up for the Met Open. He was like, this place is awesome. And, you know, I, I think that just speaks volumes to this place. Yeah. And um, everyone shows up. A lot of the guys uh, I heard from the U.S. Amateur were like, our, our cola was pretty great. You know, not taking anything away from Ridgewood, but our cola is pretty special. So, I mean, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, so golfers are kind of quirky by nature. And you play such a, you know, so many tournaments, some competitive golf. What are some, in, in going to play those competitive rounds, what are some of your quirks that you have going into a golf round that, that are like, that make you feel whole? And I'll give you the example of like, some people are like, I need to have X amount of tees in this pocket, a ball in this one, or I mark my ball specifically. Like, what are some of those... We've heard like they don't go, you know, they practice without their shoes tied and they get to the first tee, now they tie their shoes. Like, do you got any of those kind of? Not really. I mean, I do tend to keep three tees in my pocket. Um, Don't ask me why. And when I break a couple, I feel weird only having one in there. So um, (laughs) I guess that's a quirk. I never really thought of it. I've marked my. Stu changed it. Stu, Stu, I said quirks originally, and Stu called it habits. Yeah. So you could say habits as well. He corrected us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know. Um, to be honest with you, I don't have any have any good habits, um, <laughs> that I would say. Um, I mean, I have had random rounds where I play really well with my shoes untied. I mean, I shot sixty one here this untied? summer. Untied. With my shoes untied. Yeah. I was super hungover. Um, it was our uh, our July Fourth tournament. It was a four man team. We were playing from the Whites, and uh, it was a four man best ball. And I was playing with three buddies here. And I was very hungover. Been out to dinner, drank way too much wine, and um, I fatted one on the first. Fer- on, we started on ten, and then you know two holes later, I made six birdies in a row and made two eagles on the backside. Chipped in a couple times, and I shot sixty one. And the whole time my shoes were untied. I'm, so, I'm going to try that whole. I'm yeah. going to try that whole scenario. <laughs> so, I think untied shoes is kind of the sneaky winner there. There you go. Um, but I like I, to be completely honest with you, I haven't put that into practice since. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know. Um, That's low. I don't. Yeah, it was. It was. That was. Uh, That's low, dude. Finished eagle birdie on eight and nine, and uh, it. It was hysterical. I mean, our whole group went nuts on... Uh, on um, so you won the tournament by yourself? No, we actually did not win. Wow. Yeah, that's how, that's how criminal uh, some handicaps were. We, uh, I think uh, somehow we came in second in both gross and net, I think. It, was, it made no sense. Um, 
Cause, oh, because uh, we were counting, uh, I'm not going to name any names, but someone on our team definitely let us down. Uh, but uh, we... Uh, <coughs> we <laughs> they're listening to this and they know who they are. <laughs> yeah, uh, we were counting, I think we had to count uh, the best two. So oh, it wasn't, it wasn't best one yeah, ball. So that was, the, that was the catch. But um, yeah, to answer your question, I don't, I don't know if I have any weird, okay. I like that. weird habits. We'll find yeah. out out there when we yeah. play. Yeah, <laughs> I, they may come out. They're just not coming to mind right now. Yeah. Uh, and then it, obviously we're, we're a New Jersey golf podcast talking all about New Jersey. And, and uh, I'd, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the greatest debate in New Jersey history, maybe in the history of all the world. And that is the name of a particular kind of breakfast meat. Breakfast what? Meat. Oh, okay. What are you calling that breakfast meat? Taylor ham. Okay. That's, this yes. was nice. I, yeah, yeah. I'm going to pass on our call with it. <laughs> That's always a question we ask. We, we but call, I'm not from New Jersey. Uh, I'm a Connecticut so, guy. Right. Yeah. So, so someone else, maybe it was Taylor. What, what, we what's, what's the other... Pork so, roll. Pork, pork roll. roll. That's right. Pork roll. Yeah. So it's it's right about like the Driscoll Bridge exit 135 somewhere in there. That, so North like, Jersey goes Taylor Ham. North South Jersey, Jersey goes Taylor. pork roll. Yeah. Because yeah. I was down at the shore with my wife's family this uh, and this summer and they were calling it pork roll. I was like, yeah. I don't give a fuck what it is, but it's it's the it's the best <laughs> it's best it's, way to have oh, a sandwich. No doubt. So hundred percent is. So I will say that. Yeah. And so, medically proven to be the best hangover cure. So. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, but listen, I I can't thank you enough for for having us up here today, and you know, and, no, my and pleasure. Giving us some time. Yeah. Um, so looking. Thanks forward for having to me. Yeah. Hundred percent, Chris. Really looking right. forward to it. Thank let's you. go to it. Let's go. Oh yeah, Thanks. let's go.